0: Hello and welcome, everyone. This is the Ace in the Wild podcast, and I am Desi, your host. And today I wanted to talk about incels, MGTOW, and the red pill, or also known as the manosphere. And this is a community that started roughly about 10 years ago and evolved into its current form during my 20s. And I initially came upon this community at a very lonely, depressed, substance-filled time in my life. And I just wanted to talk about my experiences and my conclusions about this community. And just for context, I had just graduated college. I was 23 years old. And for about a year after college, I didn't really do any safe. I had had my job at the pizza place basically up to the end of college. And I saw a little bit of money stored away. And at this time I had started consuming marijuana, I had basically started my alcohol addiction, and I had my video game addiction. So combine those three and you have a layabout in his mid-20s not doing a whole lot after college graduation. I'm not the only one who's unique in this scenario. But I was fortunate that I had my best friend who was raised in a conservative environment and I had introduced him to marijuana. I had introduced him to alcohol. And his younger brother had also experimented with those things. And they were fairly close to my age and every weekend they would come out and we'd go up to my apartment, which is detached to my parents' place, and we'd proceed to get drunk and then wake up the next day, go down to the lake, sit in lawn chairs, get a keg of beer, drink that, and get drunk. And that in my mid-twenties was the notion of a good idea. And I wanted this to last forever. This was a lot of fun for me. Alcohol and, and marijuana were relatively new to me. And it was this was my idea of a good time. I liked the feeling of not having to worry about my depression or really deal with the fact that I wanted to like move forward in life. And this went on for about, I don't know, a year until my friend basically got a girlfriend. We went on a big camping trip and that was kind of like our last hurrah. We stayed in these yards out of the ocean for like five days and like four nights. And it was super fun. And To spend a lot of quality time, and then they made a new friend, and this new friend had a wider circle of friends, and so they kind of drifted over to him, which I was not happy about. And this new friend ended up being a rather toxic person, and I was upset and I called them out, like you guys abandoned me, you've got girlfriends now, you don't want anything to do with me. I kind of drove them away by being toxic, and also at this time I was really struggling with alcohol. Well, I wasn't struggling, I was coping with alcohol. I was drinking rather excessively every day. And at this time I didn't really understand that I was in a rut. And they were moving forward with their lives. They'd gotten jobs. They had moved out of their parents. And they were planning to have families with their significant others. Both of them found partners. And I was slacking. I wasn't really looking for a job. And around this time I also started to drift towards the idea that women were the cause of all men's misfortune because they could, wanted to control men. My dad, unfortunately, kind of reinforced this belief, which, unfortunately, that's just his generation. He's part of the baby boomer generation, and he has a very kind of love-hate relationship with my mom. They have a lot of arguments, and he's, he's inherited a lot of things with his dad, who struggled with alcohol himself. It's rather unfortunate, but this was my... um model for a family dynamic My mom and dad unfortunately had a lot of arguments during this I had a lot of arguments when i was growing up and a lot of it was related around alcohol alcoholism runs on both sides of my family moving forward this was about the time that i started to mistrust women and a lot of that was based on the fact that my two friends were gone and i blamed the girls that they had found like oh well girls are just possessive and these girls have taken my best friends away Rather than actually look at myself and realize that I was in a, I wasn't moving forward, and I was also being rather toxic and controlling over that. I had my comfy little world that I liked, and my slacker mentality and my stoner gamer mentality, and that just wasn't for them anymore. So my first interaction with the MGTOW community, MGTOW stands for men going their own way, was a YouTuber called Sandman, and he was a Canadian gentleman, and he would post every week his dose of red pills his daily dose of red pills a big concept that was fundamental to my understanding of MGTOW was hypergamy in which women only search for upward mobility. this is a late edit but I also wanted to bring up Tom Likas Tom Likas was a radio DJ who worked in LA and he did a lot of stuff in the early 2000s and late 90s and I would kind of call him the forefather of MGTOW and the red pill, and the black pill. And his clips are still very popular. I believe he's still somewhat active in doing radio and doing shows. But I remember I started listening to him like in the late 2000s. He was on a local radio show that I listened to in the evenings, and I'd go to bed, and a lot of men would call in and just say all these problems that you have with women. And he was divorced three times, and he had a very cynical view of love, but he was also very wealthy, and he just encouraged men to like, Pump and dump women, and not let them trick them into being in a relationship with them. And all they want is money, and they're all a bunch of gold diggers. And Tom Lycus did have a lot of good advice for these men, but at the same time, he was very cynical. I would say about love and relationships. And you can find plenty of clips on him online. Basically, this early introduction to Big was that women are only interested in controlling men's lives. They're only interested in their own goals and ambitions. They're only interested in monetary utilitarian function from a man and not really interested in personality, that they're just uncreative parasitic creatures who basically, despite third wave feminism and all their rights that they achieved, expect men to do everything while they just are parasitic creatures that don't offer anything special outside of sex. And at this time, me not understanding my sexuality or lack thereof, and me not really understanding relationships, I kind of bought into this, not necessarily because I hated women, but just because I thought that women were programmed this way because of society, because of materialism. Another gentleman that I came across was a YouTuber called Stardust, or Thinking8, and Paul Proteus. And Stardust, Thinking8, and Paul Proteus kind of really focused on like, You know, women only have reproductive benefits to offer, and now that we're an industrialized society, we really don't have a need for those anymore because of overpopulation. Another late edit, but now that we're bringing up the uh, aforementioned YouTubers, a big concept that Stardust talks about is that women will never love men. Like, they're incapable of loving men for who they are, just what they have to offer. And Stardust also brings up this sort of black pill rage, the red pill and the blue pill, and then you got the black pill. The black pill basically is where you realize that you're never going to find love, and you basically just get enraged because for, you know, the longest time reading all these stories and watching all these movies, and then you realize it's all a bunch of BS, you're never going to find love, and that women are just parasitic creatures that just want money from you and that these those fuzzy-wuzzy feelings that you get are all just chemical, it's not real, and you'll never be loved. And basically, you you know, there's one option of like, oh, well, you can go do your own thing, or you can just become a recluse and just avoid society because it has nothing to offer you. Men need to just pursue our own hobbies and not validate ourselves based on what women think of us. You don't need to pursue money or anything else like that, because that's just what makes you attractive to women. You know, just do what you want to do. Play video games or whatever. I really noticed that, like, this kind of lifestyle was what I was doing. I just was a kind of low-achieving video gamer who liked to use substances. And this really appealed to me because it wasn't like, hey, you need to improve yourself. It was like, no, no, that's just if you want to get women, like... If you just want to do whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do. Society is collapsing. I bought into that whole thing, too, of that society was collapsing, that everything was falling apart. And this was just after the recession of 2009, 2010, or the economy was still pretty bad. and things had recovered. And, of course, the recession had happened during when I was in college and learning about all this. And I was like, oh, well, the government's corrupt. People are corrupt. You know, it's just, everything is just a stack of cars for you to fall over at any time. And it's just driven by greed. So I was very cynical, I was very materialistic, and I was also very lonely. My friends had been taken away with me because of evil women. And I, of course, had my dad saying, but my dad struggles with alcohol too. Every time my dad would abuse alcohol or get too drunk, my mom would get upset. And he's just like, oh, well, you're just a shrew and you're just nagging. And you're just an awful person. I had a lot of, my mom and I did not have the best relationship. At this time, unfortunately, and I think that this was like my rebellious stage against my mom because I'm, I'm way more like my mom than my dad, and I didn't want to admit that at the time. But now I wholly embrace that because my mom's wonderful. But I was struggling with, you know, I was trying to be like my dad. My dad was this ultra masculine figure, and he's he's kind of a braggadocio. He's always I slept with all these women. And it was just like this ultra chad alpha figure that I wanted to endear myself to, and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And, of course, from hindsight, this is Folly. Hi there. Desi here for another late edit. I really do sound like I'm raking on my dad here, and there's a lot that he taught me that was good, as well as some things that he taught me were not so good. He taught me the common courtesy of being on time. He taught me to always call and thank people when they've done me a favor, And he also just taught me to be respectful. And in the end of the day, he's a good man, and he's just kind of a victim of his environment. And I want to talk next about some of the myths of the red pill. And I've kind of touched on it earlier, is that women don't love men. They love wealth, comfort, utility, and function that men bring. Women use beauty and youth to seduce hapless men and steal their money. And another thing is the wall that Women at the age of like 35, they hit this period where they're no longer sexually viable. And to the Big Tao community, that basically means that women are no longer attractive in the way that they were in their 20s and they've lost all their value. The Big Tao used the term that women age like milk and men age like wine, meaning that all women really have to offer is physical traits and beauty and youth. And men are monetary providers. And of course, as they get older, they are able to make more money as most people, not just men or women. Most people, as they get older, make more money as they gain more skill sets. But in this, of course, women are just parasites in their twenties. They're just like, they're all a bunch of prostitutes and they just want to have sex with as many men as possible and then settle down before they hit the wall. Like that was their opinion of women. And of course, me being in my misogynistic phase at this time, I thought that this was agreeable. And another thing, too, is I want to mention my ex-girlfriend I had a rather contentious relationship with. Around this time, she came back from the other side of the States. Uh, She was in Illinois. And when she was gone, I actually had a lot of nice conversations with her after our kind of rough breakup because I was like, okay, out of sight, out of mind. You know, I've had a lot of good times with this person and I want to retain somewhat of a cordial relationship. And I had a lot of good talks with her during, not all of our relationship was bad. It's just that the sex part was really bad. And that was on me partly because I didn't understand my sexuality because, you know, society says that ACEs don't exist, especially my dad, my friend, his friends parented that. When she came back, um, we got together and she wanted me to come back to her place. I'm about 95% sure that she wanted to engage in some sort of sexual activity. Which I wasn't into. And I said, no, I, that's okay. Let's just, you know, our original plans come back to the far farm. My parents would love to see you again. And uh, she was basically at my house all the time for an extended period of time. We were very close. We dated for like a year. So she came back to my place. Uh, we had lunch. And on the way back to my place, I remember having a conversation with her big thing was is she just was upset with how men treated her how they saw her as just like a piece of meat or as a sexual object and how that really bothered her and then she said that men and women can't be friends and i remember exactly where we were driving when she said this because it really resonated with me and it really bothered me and i was just like well i consider you a friend i like you like Especially now that there's no not this pesky sex and all this other, like, tension between us, which there was on her part, at least, hindsight in 2020. And she just got really quiet. We didn't talk for about five minutes after that. And came back to my parents' house, you know, we sat next to each other. We had a nice talk. And it was enjoyable. I enjoyed having someone to talk to, especially since my friends uh, were basically gone. So things went okay for a couple of days. And then she kept... um she wanted to keep in contact and she would call me. And of course, me just treating her like a friend was just like, okay, well, sometimes I am pretty bad, especially back then at calling people back. Because a lot of the times I'd be in the middle of something, be playing a game, especially like, wow, if I'm in the middle of a rage, like, and you call me, I'm not going to get back to you immediately. And so I was kind of bad about that. And she got upset with me, like, Men always call me back. How can he, how can you not call me back? What is, what is wrong with you? That sort of thing. I was just like, wow, you're kind of full of yourself. And of course that she didn't really take that well. As I've said before, she's a very conventionally beautiful person and she gets a lot of attention from men. If I was more normal in terms of sexuality, I was more towards the center, the middle of the bell curve. Like I would probably be more than willing to stop playing wow to talk to her. Of Course, this time it's in the mid 20s. There's a lot of selfishness here too. But um, we saw each other again. And I remember she was working at a coffee stand, a bikini barista. She told me, she's like, Oh, you should come visit me. I was like, I don't want to come visit you. I don't want to come and see you in Pasties. Like, like, I'm not interested. I've never been interested in that sort of thing. And I think that that upset her too. Like, people like to be desired. Even me as an ace, I like to be desired. But just her attitude. And her way of treating it and talking to me, talking down to me, especially after this, she started getting really upset. Like, your social skills are terrible. You know, your clothes suck. And she was right. But I was just like, you know what? You're you're evil. And you know what? These MGTOW that I just discovered are right. So it was a bit of confirmation bias with my ex-girlfriend telling me these things, with the MGTOW community, and with my friends being lost to their two as I consider the parasitic girlfriends at the time. I didn't have a very great relationship with my best friend's girlfriend at the time either, because I just was like kind of resentful, like, oh, you don't have anything to offer. And Gary, my friend, is just weak because he just wants to have sex with you. And that's all you have to offer. And I get along with him in such better, I have better connection with him. I'm more spiritually connected to him. You just offer what's between your legs and he's just weak and you're a parasite and you're evil for taking my friend away. I didn't join this because I was resentful to women. I was resentful because of confirmation bias and the fact that I had lost things and I was mistreated by somebody and also that I was very naive, juvenile and I had a very limited understanding of the world. Unfortunately, my friend Gary was sort of like a therapist for me at this time. Because he was very encouraging. He's a very sweet man. I love him to pieces. I haven't seen him in a hot minute, but hopefully that'll change in the future. But he was just always like, hey, Desi, you always got to be proving yourself. Are you looking for a job now? What's going on? Or, you know, you just got to keep moving forward. You have a college degree. You can do anything you want. Just very encouraging. And all of a sudden... My friend therapist is gone, taken away by this woman. And I was very bothered by it. And I just assumed that she was just using him because she didn't really have a job herself. That She was just using him. And she wasn't. She actually worked. Of course, they got pregnant with her first child. Rather than being like, oh, well, they're in love. They're really good along and everything. I just assumed that she was trying to trap him into some sort of permanent arrangement because, you know, he lost interest or whatever. She's just like, oh, I can't lose that. I got to get, I got to poke holes in the condom or something or not take my birth control and get pregnant, which wasn't the case. And shame on Lever thinking about that at the time. And again, this goes in with confirmation bias. Because she didn't have a job, I was like, oh, women don't need to work. They just need to be attractive. And that's all that she brings to the table. Another thing I want to talk about is the alpha beta male dichotomy that I really bought into. And, you know, the alpha males are the ones that get all the girls. But of course, it takes a lot of effort to be an alpha. And the beta basically provide the money and get taken advantage of and cucked or whatever. And then, of course, there was the subset of males like, oh, that men going their own way. Like, oh, we're not buying into this. Like the alpha males, we all worship because they're the ones that got all the girls. But at the same time, they're just like, oh, you guys don't need to worry about what women. women are just, you know, prostitutes or whatever. And that was another big thing that I want to talk about. The MGTOW community, what initially got me into it. Was the fact that there was camaraderie. I would go in the subreddit and a lot of men would discuss their issues and their depression and their woes. And just like, oh, I can't, you know, I have a lack of purpose and there'd be encouragement. And this is how I discovered van dwellers. This is how I discovered a lot of minimalist subreddits and ideologies and philosophies. And even Orwell and like Sartre and Camus. Some of the philosophers and the existentialist theories, I all discovered it through this community, so I'm grateful for that. And so I really kind of got me into philosophy. But Of course, the more I learned about philosophy, the more that I learned the town community had some serious flaws in the way of thinking. There's a couple reasons why I got involved in this community and drank the metaphorical Kool-Aid. And I think first and foremost, I was confused about my sexuality. I didn't understand the appeal of sex. I didn't understand the appeal of being so obsessed with the opposite sex, or any sex to be, or any gender, anybody for that matter. I think number two is that I was lonely. I think that I was in desperate need of companionship, and I felt unworthy, and I had like projection issues where I was just like these people aren't worthy of me because I'm so philosophical and deep and nobody's worthy of my company and that sort of thing and that was just a coping mechanism I guess I think partially influenced by my dad my dad was one of those people who would build me up and tear me down at the same time like oh Desi you're so smart you're so talented you're You're so handsome and tall and strong, and at the same time, every time I would screw up or get a bad grade or mess something up, he'd just call me an idiot and swear at me. So that was unfortunate, and it led to a lot of issues later on with my life. And, of course, number three would be confirmation bias with my ex-girlfriend, my lost best friends, my best friend's girlfriend getting pregnant, which I assume was a way of trapping him. Last but not least, solidarity amongst men. I'd never really seen that before, and this is something that I've struggled with. I've had a lot of contentious relationships with men. I was bullied when I was growing up because I was feminine, because my social skills sucked, because I wasn't socialized properly. And of course, probably being borderline on the autism spectrum did not help my social cues and understanding social situations that well either. After about a year of being involved in this community, of just reading, I don't think I contributed much. I was more of just a a lurker, a, a passive observer. I really started to notice that it became less and less about men going their own way and more and more about men complaining about women and not getting attention, which was antithetical to the reason why I initially was interested in this group. And I started to realize that the cause of my issues, my lack of companionship, had more to do with my lack of personal growth, and my isolation, and my substance abuse, and just not getting out and about. I stayed at home, I played video games, I used substances, I didn't have a social network, and how are you supposed to meet people and date people if you're isolated? Like, it seems very easy to understand looking at it in retrospect, why I was so lonely. But it's like I expected women or whoever to come up and talk to me and engage with me. I was always expecting, like, I'm special. I want people to come and engage with me. Why do I need to go engage with them? That is a very silly way of looking at things, whether you're trying to date or make friends. It's a very ridiculous way to look at things. And it's a very entitled view. And my change in perspective of MGTOW. And the manosphere really started to morph when I saw MGTOW is not a support group for disaffected men, but a bunch of men upset that they couldn't gain access to sex. And I really started to feel like these men just hated women; that they were attracted to women and they couldn't get what they wanted, but they didn't have anything to offer these women either. Like they they were kind of in my boat; like they were just awkward socially stunted individuals who didn't value women based on who they were and their personalities and their spirit and their soul but based on what was between their legs and you know based on their youth What really always bothered me is the concept of the wall like oh well women are worthless after they hit the age of 35 everything starts deteriorating they lose their looks and their youth and they're no longer valuable and this is where they trap men and you know Older women hate younger women because of this. And there's just the competitiveness and they all get plastic surgery. It just was very misogynistic in, in the way it became. Like it was misogynistic from the get-go, but it really just became like women are just creatures without agency that are just reactive. They're uncreative parasites in society and men and men are victims. And one of the analogies I heard used was from Animal Farm where men are like boxer. And those of you who read Animal Farm know that Boxer was this super strong draft horse, or just a really big, strong stallion. And he basically used his strength. And it's a metaphor to how like, the the Russian elite used the proletariat during Stalin's era to just break down the proletariat. And the proletariat was always just like, oh, I'll work harder to fix things. That was Boxer's. And that's just the way men saw themselves as just this hardworking, you know, poor soul that was just getting abused by society and women and then they're just getting their back broken by having to work harder and harder and harder until eventually they were sent away to the knackers and sold for food and they're just worthless meat why i was attracted to this group was this was about men seeking validation outside of their sexual prowess and their ability to attract women because ironically (laughs) men going their own way became more about men's value in terms of how attractive they are to women rather than their self-improvement and their own self-worth. And they treated every woman just like this this the singular creature. And I remember one acronym was AWOLT. All women are like that. And even that bothered me from the from the onset. It's just like, well they're not all like that. I've known plenty of women who are different. I've known plenty of women who are wonderful to be around. When I was in high school some of my best friends were girls and i just assumed that as women got older and you know the woman that i wanted the woman in my generation they'd all been corrupted by materialism by society and of course by the patriarchy just to be these parasitic creatures that were subservient to their desires for wealth and accumulation of money rather than individual agents and in the end the MGTOW community More or less evolved into the incel community. And this community was not about men going their own way or any sort of personal fulfillment outside of sex and their value to women, but rather a group of men complaining about not getting access to sex. And they didn't view women as creatures, they just viewed them as what was between their legs. And they felt entitled to what was between their legs. And this is something that's happened for generations and generations and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just the commodification of women's bodies, which is a sickness in our society and a plague. And I had had contentious relationships with men in my life. And now someone identifying as pansexual under the embrace of asexuality, it's hard. I have trust issues. I'm worried that men are going to just be these aggressive, horny creatures, and that I'm going to be victim of some sort of sexual predation or whatnot. And unfortunately, it's nothing original, which is what MGTOW was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, for once, a place where I could find camaraderie amongst men. And this community... Rather than being about men establishing their own identities, became what men thought about women and how they viewed themselves in women's eyes. And then, of course, them realizing that they had a low value in women's eyes, or at least the automaton woman that they assumed all women were you know, the reactionary woman who is just a materialistic bimbo or whatever, and because their value is low in this projected woman's eyes, they weren't able to obtain sex, and thus they became misogynistic assholes, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And I also want to point out that not all incels are cut from the same mold. I remember Dr. K, who is on YouTube and he does a lot of interviews. He was talking to this incel with his chat and it was this big online deal and this gentleman identified as an incel, but he ended up just being a lonely guy that was very nice and very sweet, very independent, had a lot to offer, but he was just cynical and desperate. And that's a real issue with a lot of men is that women can smell desperation and also people don't want to be around other people that are cynical and this gentleman that dr k was interviewing ended up breaking down in tears multiple times and it was a very heartwarming thing to watch and if anybody's interested i can link it below or i can link it in the channel somehow one of my friend ezra's good dear friends when i went down to utah He hadn't been in a relationship for, like, a year, and he was just desperate. And he'd been dating and having all these issues, and he's like, oh, my hairline's receding, I can't find a girlfriend, or blah, 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 blah. And it had nothing to do with that. It was just the fact that he was desperate for sex. And rather than, like, looking for an actual relationship, he was just consumed with the fact that he wasn't getting laid. And that is a big issue, and I think that goes back to toxic masculinity. Is where men don't feel like they're worth anything if they're not getting laid and as someone who is on the asexual spectrum this makes absolutely no sense to me i remember one of my friends the one that i worked with at the office and i still talk to this day he's about you know seven or eight years older than me and he was going through a drought after his last breakup and I remember he asked me he's like how can you stand it like you haven't had sex for two or three years how can you stand it?" And I was just like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, what is, like, you're just a sex addict. And I just I just assumed, like, and until I met more people, I just assumed that all these people were sex addicts and not just men. I had um, interaction with a girl when I was at the gym who basically came on to me really hard. And I'd never experienced that. And, of course, I was flattered because I was like, oh, okay, this is easy. I'm being approached. I'm getting flirted with. This is nice. And then of course it never went anywhere and yeah people enjoy sex like it's a thing until i realized i was ace it was very hard for me to wrap my head around i would say my final exodus from the migtau community and my realization of what they were what they stood for was when i found the ace community and in my late 20s that's what i started identifying as and apparently the moniker of us not existing and us being like plants is a meme that aces have to deal with, and I I saw so many memes and so many aces being like, yeah, we exist. Stop telling us we don't. I'm here, and I'm queer, (laughs) and more or less, I am what I am, and if you don't like it or you don't want to acknowledge it, then GTFO, get out of my life. So the ace community was big, and then of course that really uh, evolved onto the queer community because the lgbtq plus community is the only real community that i can approach and i'd say i'm ace and i get immediate acceptance so i have a lot of gratefulness so yeah the ace community and the queer community are basically where i found my people and i really started to realize that i was better off doing my own thing i didn't need to be in a relationship i wasn't interested in sex and I needed to pursue like-minded people, and people that accepted me for who I am, rather than try to be something that I'm not. And really, my expectation when I joined the MGTOW community wasn't that I would get laid or anything, it's just that I deserved attention because I thought I was special at the time. And this, of course, it's not sex-related, but it is toxic masculinity of men feeling entitled to attention. and. Just some closing thoughts, because I've been going for you know, a good 40 minutes now, is that love is a real thing, and love is more or less blind. I don't want to sound too much like a meme here, but as an ace, when I was in love, it was magical, and it had nothing to do with sex. It had to do with just wanting to be with the person, wanting everything in their life to go well, and willing to do anything for them and just cherishing the smiles on their faces and the moments of happiness. And that is a damn good feeling. And that's what I think that we should strive for. And now what I'm really searching for is just friends and life partners and companionship. If I'm never in a relationship again, I'm willing to accept that and I'm not, it won't be the end of the world for me. It's, it's not something that I need to be able to function. and It's not something that I dread that I don't have anymore. I'm on a better path now than I was in my 20s with therapy, with meeting new friends, and you know, appreciating women and people and people in my community for what they are and for what they have to offer, their unique insights, what they've been through, their experiences, and also their struggles and what they've overcome. The incel community, I won't even call it the MGTOW community anymore, really, even though I'm sure there are men that have figured out that the community became toxic and went on to do their own thing and establish their own lives, the incel community has really become a group of people who have an entitlement complex and nothing really more. I actually plan to touch on this more in the future. This is just my experience with that community. I watched some videos and kind of refresh my memory on some of the content that i had seen in the past but there's obviously more to talk about on this and i think as long as i keep doing these podcasts on a consistent basis that it's something i will revisit because i think it's something that a lot of people need to understand and what the origins of this community was because it hasn't always been the way it was it's always had the underlying toxic masculinity and the bits of entitlement but initially it wasn't about just hating women it was about men going their own way and doing their own thing and pursuing things other than just sex. I would say my biggest takeaway with my interaction with the MGTOW community was that I shouldn't really expect anything from anybody in terms of like attention or whatever. Everything should just be a natural flowing like water in a river that shouldn't be forced. And I think a lot of men and a lot of people in general, people who are looking for relationships, want to force things, like they want to force the first kiss, they want to force the first time having sex. And you can't do that because it's not natural. And if the other person isn't on board, it's going to cause discomfort. And I think a lot of incels have been in positions where there's been an imbalance, where they've been you know they feel a certain way and want a certain thing from someone they're interested in and they don't get it and they try to force and it creates awkward situations and they feel the nasty pang of rejection and nobody likes feeling rejected that is a that is an existential dread especially for me as someone who had a lot of social rejection when i was growing up but if you talk to somebody without expectation and you don't have an end goal in mind then it's natural. And if it doesn't lead to romantic relationships, romantic feelings, or some sort of friendship, that's okay because it wasn't meant to be. And also, maybe that person is having a bad day. There's so many things. I like to use the butterfly effect as an analogy. You know, a butterfly flapping its wings in the South Indian Sea causes a typhoon in the Pacific. Just minor things, like they stubbed their toe or the dog pooped on the yard and they stepped in it, can completely ruin a person's attitude for the day. And although you might be perfectly polite, and you might approach them and be like, hey, what's up? And they're just like, I don't want to talk to you. They're having a bad day. And if you were to approach them or talk to them at any other time, then it wouldn't be that way. I've found that a lot of relationships start in the most unexpected of places, from random encounters. And as long as you put yourself in a position where you're meeting new people and you have a good attitude and you stay positive, people are going to notice and they're going to latch on to that. And even if you don't have a romantic partner, you might make a good friend. So just as a summary bit of advice that I have to offer from what I've learned in this incel MGTOW red pill community is that don't have any expectations. Nobody owes you anything. And don't be toxic. People are individuals with agency. They're not just completely into wealth, materialism, or vanity. They are proactive players just trying to make it through this crazy world of ours. And they're all individual. And with that, I didn't want this to become listen to Desi give advice. I just wanted to just touch up on some of the things that I've learned from this community and my experiences. And like I said, I think that there'll be more to come on this in the future. Thanksgiving's coming up, so I might be taking a bit of a break. But I plan to follow this format more or less of just talking about certain topics. And hopefully, I'll be able to produce these once, you know, a couple times a month initially to start, depending on what kind of audience I get. I would love to have any interaction with those of you listening. I have a lot more to talk about, a lot more to offer, and I have a lot of opinions. But anyway, thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Peace.